back again for two guys, one blimp. Hello. Uh, two Goyas. Una blintado. This ridiculous origami that I've uh, put together over here is more apt of a blimp than a blunt, I would say. More apt to be called a blimp. That's true. So welcome. Hello, folks. Welcome to Two Guys, this special episode of Two Guys and One Blimp. One Blimp. He's not airborne, but high. <laughs> We're about to be airborne, I feel. This is quite a fucking fat joint. Of some uh, garlic breath. Oh, oh fuck. That's this what is this garlic is. garlic breath. Oh, and uh, we don't know the breeder or the genetics or, or... Well, actually, sorry. We do know the genetics. It's garlic breath. We don't know the company that this came from. This is Mystery a Grow. Unnamed sample. But looks... Looks very beautiful. Pretty much what you'd expect from a good a good cook, a little good kooky. Well, yeah. Cheers to everybody smoking their first or their third or their seventh of the day. Cheers, cheers. Um, what I was about to say, now that we got the mics on, was um, I was at a city hall, a city council meeting about week and a half ago for the what is known now as the four originals four dispensaries in west hollywood that did not get their permanent adult use licenses when the eight businesses that we talked about way back at the start of the podcast mm-hmm. um got theirs so these eight businesses that will have consumption lounges and provide retail locations are all obviously still hypothetical businesses. None of them are running yet. None mm-hmm. of them, most of them don't even have a location. Interesting. So this council was, uh, this city council hearing was to see whether there would be an extension of the current temporary licenses that these other four dispensaries have that were the ones that got the first set of temporary licenses when legalization, when Prop 64 went into effect in 2018 and that was Oz WeHo uh, that was LAPCG that was Zen um, Zen Healing I think they go by and then the pharmacy which ended up becoming another MedMen location nice yeah <laughs> um, and it was really interesting to see the way that the process goes down uh, a lot of sense was spoken obviously both both sides petitioned for their respective arguments the people who were there talking on behalf of the eight current licensees waiting to start businesses were all saying that there should be no extensions and no do-overs essentially for these other four dispensaries and obviously the original four dispensaries were all petitioning on their behalf saying that they should be grandfathered in if you like to the to the current scheme so it's not just a matter of oversight like they were so excited to get these um consumption lounges in that they're just like oops forgot about these dispensaries that have been operating since well the word is that the on the merit-based system that they used the top 20 places the top eight were the ones that got the licenses this time around and then i think two of those four dispensaries placed ninth and tenth they didn't specify who Mm -hmm. and then two others placed 13th and 17th out of the top 20. So they then also have the conundrum of if they do grandfather in 9, 10, 13, and 17, what do you do about 11th place, 12th place, 14th place, 15th, 16th place? Because their logic could then be, well, the merit for those guys to get in, if they were good enough to get in based on merit and that's truly what you're basing it on, then surely by that logic, those other places higher above them deserve to get a license too. Fuck. So there's, mean, a, there's a few twists to the tale, yeah. depending on and how it pans out. To be out. quite fair, everybody knows these licenses have never been permanent. You know, they've never been permanent. And it's, I honestly, may, it might be time to move on. You know, it might be time to say there are clearly other people that can do this better than you. And not only will that elevate... Maybe, but this is uh, this is where I think the council is really interesting. So the council members, when they came to kind of make a, 
a conclusion to that hearing in itself mm-hmm. were pointing out both sides of the argument and, and kind of pointing out the deficiencies of both sides. To the eight prospective licenses, they said, hey, you guys don't even have locations yet. A lot of you are not going to be open by the time these temporary licenses expire. Mm-hmm. So there is no way that we can reasonably tell these people that they can't have an extension on their current situation because they may well need to otherwise the people of West Hollywood won't have access um, and then the whole city is losing and then the whole city dollars. is losing tax dollars and you know the, also it's its reputation as being one of the more progressive cities that moves independently of what happens in the rest of LA uh, because they have the ability to whereas a lot of other places don't this just in city pro marijuana fucks up and forgets stuff yeah right <laughs> Um, but they also made the case to the four originals that uh, they knew what they were getting into. They knew what the requirements were of the license. They knew um, what was expected when they went through that process. Mm-hmm. But I think the person who spoke with the most sense out of the council said that he had empathy for the fact that those were the four, if you take the pharmacy's journey before becoming a medman, mm-hmm. those were the four that had to deal with everything that allowed there to be legalization in 2018. They had to deal with the drug raids. They had to deal with the DEA fucking with them. They had to deal with constantly being over-policed and uh, the potential of theft all the time. All the extra security measures that you have to go through as a dispensary, even more so then, but still now. Mm-hmm. Dispensaries have pretty heavy security if you consider a, your average retail space. Oh. <laughs> you know. Um, and so that was really the argument that I think made the most sense that like, if you eight people really value your licenses, then you will argue for these four to be grandfathered in too, because if you then the you recognize shit. that were it not for them, you wouldn't be able to operate exactly. here in West And then Hollywood. the same shit could happen to you too, if you don't implement exactly. some type of grandfatherly or grandfather system that is more of just like a fancy word of saying respect. You know, just fucking respect for what they went through. One of the council people was like, did you eight licensees think you were just going to show up and steal the whole market share? Like, these people have built up a customer base over years. Those customers value going to the same people over and over because they get the type of personalized assistance they need. Mm -hmm. So, what the fuck? You thought you were just going to show up and take everything? No, that's not how it works. So there was really good arguments made by both sides, but the result was that there will be an extension of six months to those four originals. And then I think at that point, they may potentially have the chance to um, create a, either a petition or a... Yeah, I mean, what's, the, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like a... a kind of have a, a run appeal. At, a, at a permanent license yeah yeah have like an appeal for a permanent license yeah i feel like not just that but for me as as somebody who's been to uh oz alternative herbal health services in west hollywood a lot mm-hmm. it's got like a, a quite a iconic status for being associated with dr dina who's kind of become like the um you know a lot one of the people to introduce a lot of the celebrities in hollywood to weed in a more medical context is that the weeds lady the lady who the weeds character is originally based on yeah yeah. basically but even though she never got any credit for that Mm -hmm. um and then there's also the one of the other owners jason beck is a a long time serious activist constantly lobbying in washington dc for uh full legalization and access and uh of cannabis didn't they also Um, ran out their storefront for that god-awful netflix show disjointed i think so that was all set in oswego i think as well yeah i think um it so was they, either they went through that trauma as well it was either just for us just for the culture set or it was designed to be like them or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. one or the other i think i know they maybe they designed it probably had a set but i think in oswego they were selling they like sort of decorated it specially. I remember they had like a strain. They had Netflix strains that mm-hmm. were based on the series. Yeah. Um, that terrible With series. Cool packaging. That was thankfully never renewed. Oh, um, I can't imagine why. It was just like every horrible. <laughs> but I was trying to make the case for Oz being like a good place. That series is probably one of the things you could use to argue against them. <laughs> the um, but to me, the the amount of ac- activism and advocacy that they do, and specifically knowing. Uh, how much work Jason has done as one of the founders and like a, a really key activist in the last, you know, 15 years. 
and he was originally in San Francisco, I think, wow. before before coming um, bringing his business to West Hollywood. So Respect. I, um, I really think that you know dispensaries like that should stay. Uh, I think we've talked about MedMen enough on this podcast yeah. to know what we both feel about them i really don't, I don't care i think we need to talk about them i feel like there's just an unspoken culture towards disconnect yeah yeah I mean, it's just not whatever um you notice how i'm holding the joint upside down oh you yeah see that i was really i'm checking this theory out i saw uh cash tree mason shout outs to cash tree mason still looking for your weed boy master I'm, veganic grower i need some of that um, bring it to, bring it to SoCal, brother. Like it, make it available in LA somehow. I think I saw I got it in Bakersfield, right? If I remember. But he uh, posted something today about holding his joint upside down to get that good resin ring uh and it also keeps the ash whiter, which which makes sense. I yeah, I saw I that where that. he said that if you let the resin seep down into the ash it makes the ash darker uh-huh. and that you're losing resin. Yeah. And so, so I think about it now like holding We're testing it, it out with this uh, garlic breath. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see a little bit of resin collecting yeah. on one side uh, the way so i look at it it's like we use the joint as a pipe and if we hold it straight up and down the smoke stays inside the pipe and so you just smoke all of the resin that just goes i i i feel like i've smoked some dank shit though that it didn't matter how i was holding yeah, it it had a resin real. ring so. you feel 1.9 percent higher yeah <laughs> i mean i think a resin ring just forms on really fucking terpy sticky ass bud mm-hmm. yeah that's I'm into it. The resin ring, like, this is... It's a fun little theory to test out, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is a fat joint. There's going to be some resin no matter what. Yeah. Two guys, one blimp. Ooh. Working on that blimp. Two guys, one boink. One doink. <laughs> one bloint. We Shout to out to the, to the doink smokers. <laughs> we used to smoke bloints. Bloints. My buddy would roll a blunt and then cut it in half, and we'd have two bloints. So was it a bloint because it was a blunt that was the size of a joint? Right. Exactly. Not a joint like not like a turducken situation, but with weed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not like a turducken. More like a just a spoonerism. I think would yeah. be the term. Is a canagar like a turducken of weed, or is that like a moon rock? Because turducken to me is kind of gross. Yeah. And the food, the food thing. A turducken. So moon rock would be the one that I would associate because the moon rock is kind of gross. To I me think too. moon rock would be turducken. I yeah. think that's safe to say. It's What's a canagar in the food world? Canagar is like a fucking tank. If we're if weed was a car, a canagar is a tank <laughs> because like technically it is just a joint. It's yeah. A weed inside of a paper. Right, but it's weed in multiple forms. It's so much fucking weed. <laughs> it's a lot of weed, yeah. <laughs> so much fucking weed. It's like a tie stick even, because you, apparently you can. You don't even need to wrap it. It'll just smoke like it's so If you thick. just press it, if you just press it into a cylinder. Mm-hmm, you can just... <laughs> how crazy is that? You can just straight smoke a log of weed if you just <laughs> stick it together. Just I poke mean, a hole. when that joint popped out earlier, you almost had a moment where you were able to smoke a little bit. Well, yeah, like honestly. That's, that's what inspired me to do it. I knew it was possible. It's like, fuck it. Don't need smoke no paper. A, smoke a stick. Have you seen those hash joints that people rolled up? Are uh, just conical... <laughs> Yeah, it's like straight hash, like around. They wrap it around a straw, and then they take the straw out, and now they've got a a, a joint that's just hash. <laughs> no <laughs> it's paper, a tube no of hash. <laughs> no paper, no filter. It's a hash tube. That's amazing. That sounds like some hella European, Moroccan shit. First person I saw do it was uh, Bubble Man. Yeah, of of bubble bags. Hmm. Sounds like he might have a little extra hash on his hands oh if anybody has extra hash on his hands or or anywhere in that stash he's probably got he's like frenchy he's probably got cured hashes sitting in a fridge somewhere oh yeah this is the nine-year-old afghani bull rider oh i still got that 97 white widow high times cannabis cup yeah you remember that snoop (laughs) yeah exactly i can't wait honestly uh i got to talk with uh i was mentioning barbie uh barbie from the mary jane institute and which is where i don't know where it's at. i don't know if it's like is a it an online thing i think it's i think it's just a 
like a collective i really don't know but i've heard of it a lot enough to just mention and assume that everybody else knows what i'm talking about if i don't oops um but she was mentioning that outdoor outdoor weed could be and should be as valuable as wine but certainly like more valuable than indoor cannabis Mm. so i i love that sentiment but i'd also just come to the conclusion i did a video for civilized that was indoor versus outdoor weed and the difference yeah and i was just talking it out you know as i do just making shit up on the spot (laughs) not making things up but but yeah creating your your uh narrative on the spot Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and uh i made the analogy that indoor growing gives the artist a blank canvas you know you can control every single aspect of your grow so truly like indoor grow is a blank canvas for an artist to express himself on so i think that is very unique to say um but in terms of sustainability um i you can see the conflict that i'm having because i agree that outdoor wine also is an art but the 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 potential for indoor to be a blank canvas with the with a certain amount of money and also how much how many vineries have indoor vines and how much more control over the grapes quality would they have if they did do you think you know interesting yeah because you'd think like imagine if if wineries had the same options that indoor grows have they would they should they're they've been established for thousands of years they have the money to do indoor grapes surely there must be people who make wine that is exclusively grown on indoor vines in a controlled climate indoor wine indoor wine people Um, do we know anything about it hit us up in the derek in the comments yeah derek will you google uh, that for us derek indoor wine any of the the wine heads out there know about that good indoor that fire indoor wine Canada moving wine production indoors mm, question mark question mark I'm already a subscriber just kidding uh, What's winter injury and low yields oh so this is in Canada though where they were like where more for kind of uh, climate reasons they kind of move the grow indoor exactly. yeah but I see the conundrum that you're talking about where it's like you want to say that the artisan nature of the outdoor should push that value up or people should recognize that value inherently mm-hmm. and I think it's difficult to articulate at the moment but there is something about when you get a really good harvest from outdoor and it's had the benefit of sunshine Mm-hmm. and only sunshine there's something about plants and sunshine that we just cannot recreate indoors mm-hmm. that's the one thing that i don't think you can get indoors as much as you can control everything i don't think you can fully replicate the, the true spectrum that sunlight gives and i would argue that the next step would even be eel river where like you don't it's like you're not even fucking with the water it's mm-hmm. getting natural water from the earth like i'd say a place that would rain would be good but like yeah that's risky during the budding phase you can get Definitely. some moldy buds yeah, for yeah. sure but eel river you're getting natural water and natural sunlight what these plants have been born you know born into for millions well of they've years. evolved as being uh used to mm-hmm. until the last four or five decades exactly at most at most it's beautiful so for all the people as well who say that you know a lot of these genetics have been a lot of the genetics that are available from seed banks nowadays might be designed to grow indoors because those plants would probably show up as being runts outdoors they wouldn't grow strong (laughs) they would they would be susceptible to any of the outdoor challenges absolutely much more readily than like what people consider true land races Mm -hmm. you know and that's another thing to consider when you're breeding. Sometimes you gotta breed for powdery mildew resistance. Mm-hmm. Like if you can have a plant that's spider mite resistant, holy shit, dude! Like yeah. that's that's the that's the like Roundup ready soybean level type genes. Well, that's where the difficult GMO conversation will come into weed because that's how you stopped potatoes getting blight, right? The like the uncomfortable truth about GMOs is that a lot of the times they're beneficial, <laughs> and that a lot of the times they're they're not. They're not being used to deliberately create some sort of evil within the food we mm-hmm. eat. 
they are trying genuinely to solve uh, a problem that would otherwise be there if they didn't add that GMO. I'm googling right now uh, GMO wheat man billion lives because this guy Norman Borlaug uh, one of the first people that initiated GMOs and he fucking he like enabled like drought resistant wheat and brought like yeah wheat research in mexico to south asia and winning nobel peace prizes for saving literal billions of lives yeah yeah though you're going from situations where you have a famine to having like a plentiful harvest seriously with enough food for everybody to eat so he like quadrupled everybody's harvest in fucking africa yeah if you can if you can create something that safely avoids uh what would otherwise be a humanitarian uh, like, crisis yeah <laughs> and and, and a, a fucking virus that decimates your harvest seriously then you should do it and we might start to see that with weed with the issues if people want to say grow more outdoor maybe then you'll get some sort of genetic addition that makes it more resistant to powdery mildew because that'll make it easier to grow outdoors and take away some of the challenge of being outdoors and increase the incentive maybe at that point Mm -hmm. so what was uh what was barbie's standpoint on it she thinks that it uh, outdoor or sun-grown, whatever you want to describe it as, should be valued as more highly than indoor, just automatically? I guess so. I guess because of the vintage. What was she smoking on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, fuck, I don't remember. Because it's all well and good saying that, but like, it still has to be dank, bro. Like, exactly. Outdoor growers who do their job really well, like, I think I've mentioned to you before, the lamb's bread that I smoked one time that was from Oregon, mm-hmm. and it was sun-grown is the most psychedelic lamb's bread that I have smoked. Yeah. And it, it is, it can be like that anyway as a, as you know a what? sativa here's, strain, but... Here's what I think... There's something about really, really good, well-grown outdoor. The difference is mass production. I yeah. think most and outdoor... And the loss of quality in doing that? Because, yeah, outside, whew, like, you're just fucking, whoa, like, hundreds and thousands of plants. It doesn't fucking matter. The sun just grows, and we just got to keep them wet. Right. That's it. When we harvest them, we just cut them up and hang them up. Like, but if you're dealing with, like, limited space, like an indoor grow, like, 10,000 feet, that's, you know, it's still, like, 2,000 plants, but a crew of, like, 20 people, I mean, I could maintain probably 100 plants if that's my full-time job. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more you start to scale it out, the more likely you are to start to cut corners or create and not even maybe not even cut corners but like you lose that artisanal touch so yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. dude so that would be the thing artisanal you, you, outdoor artisanal sun grown where it's just like a handful of 20 40 plants that a master grower is like personally how much would you pay for that well you're talking small batch yeah artisanal small batch but so like that's just what, different levels <coughs> that's what you're seeing now with I think the solventless hash companies, you know, 710 Labs and Papa Select here in SoCal mm-hmm. are like murdering the game on that level where it's, you know, it's pitched as premium live rosin or uh, Percy live uh-huh. rosin for 710. And you know that that's the small batch and that's the cream of the cream of that batch. That was like otherwise head stash, exactly. you know, for the hash maker themselves. And that's as far as commercial hash goes i suppose the highest credit that you can give yeah a hash that is available to the regular consumer um amongst hash circles i'm sure there's other grading systems but mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. the fact that you are have ha- getting hashes pitched to you as look this is something that's only available for a short period of time and in very limited supply and it's expensive and it's expensive People buy it yeah because they know like blue river shit yeah that's like well, people like to have that exclusivity. Exclusivity is a very big factor. And I think That's true. probably in the hash community as well, people love to have that six-star fire that their homie doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. You know? And it lasts a while. You know, you can store hash too, so it's kind oh, of yeah. a good investment. Oh, yeah. Compared to flour, I would argue that hash stores better. Hell yeah. More, well, more easily, mm-hmm. I would think. Mm-hmm. If stored correctly, it stores more easily. You just yeah. dedicate an area of your fridge to your hash. Yeah. And you're good. Damn some heady ass heady ass hash stash yeah outdoor 
can be really really should be really really good but it needs to be adopted by everybody if there was like I don't know that there should be a regulation on this but let's say hypothetically there was a regulation where every company that was producing for the prop 64 market had to have some percentage of their grow come from outdoor as mm -hmm. like a eco-conscious incentive mm -hmm. and directive from the BCC then I don't know that would be an interesting it's a good point but it, it, like it again it's like over regulation you know which is already LA, in LA to real yeah. estate is so expensive you yeah. couldn't afford to you're not going to be able up, to do it set up camp in San Luis Obispo buy 100 acres in California just Go, what about in the greater LA area you still it's probably still not it's just I mean enough. in the desert yeah. which is where everybody is growing their weed right now right. I've heard lots what about if you run like Inland Empire yeah, uh, like that's more, way more affordable. I, mm. I heard, I want to say it was like acre lots are like ten thousand dollars in uh, around Joshua Tree or Palm Desert. That's sick, and that's so much free sunshine too. Yeah, that's. But there is no water. There's right. no water pipes. You've got to figure out your Eel River system yeah. before you set in up the over there. Desert. Yeah. <laughs> Eel, no, there's no Eel River in the desert. I'll tell you no. that much. Dude, Eel River just gets me excited just thinking about it, man. That is such an amazing concept. Hit me up, Eel River. Hit us up. Like, give yeah, us a we tour. Know. We'll we'll come visit. I'll take a dip in the Eel River. We want to know how the magic happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm into that. And I, I fully agree. Uh, maybe uh, a small greenhouse with perfect climate control could give. Uh, an artist per se I mean how the fuck can you replicate the sun god damn it like, you can't is, is there a way yeah like, the question is really whether there's enough lost in not replicating the sun by having control of everything else so if you can tell me that I can it. control 9 out of 10 categories to 100% in my control and one of them I get to 85 you got to be pretty happy with that mm -hmm. as the artist with the blank canvas, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if you're outside, what's what's the analogy for growing outdoors? I mean, I don't think it's any less of an art. I think it's just a very different medium. It's almost like you like you're growing the same thing, but you're not growing the same thing. It's a dance. Outdoor is more of a dance with nature. You you sway with this you got to have some kind of symbiosis yeah you have to respond it's more of an art it's more of a human art where it's mm. like you know you have to deal with the cloudy days you have to deal with the couple days that it doesn't rain yeah so indoor growing is more like art meets science mm -hmm. and outdoor growing is more straight up art meets nature yeah 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 that's a good way to put it scientific art is fucking dope i love computer generated shit i use yeah. computers to produce i like art from more than one medium oh, but <laughs> but outdoor weed would be like getting to see paul mccartney play by the fireside right it's that intimate gig with the musician you Fuck. love damn just playing raw just them in the moment like uh -huh. and you know it'll never happen again the scientific one it's the live dvd of paul mccartney by the fireside well, then that's where the argument might fall down a little bit for outdoor. Because if you don't get the consistency to be able to replicate generation after generation where you're growing, uh -huh. then you can't create a stable model unless the whole thing that you pitch to people is, look, this is farm to table, seed to shelf, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And it's, exclusive. it's always going to be changing and it's always going to be exclusive you create some some little membership club. It's so you know. exclusive. You can never you can never get the 2017 Chem Haze again because it's mm -hmm. going to be 2018. It may 2018 may be better right. in every single way, but yeah, it will yeah, yeah. never be the 2017. And that's where you come into the wine territory then, because then you that's exactly how he's got the 2017. Right, and that's exactly how <laughs> wine people talk too. They're like, oh, the 17 was the shit. And the 18 was no slouch, but the 17 was really the one. And, exactly. Or, you know, and then when you start to actually, let's say your cellar becomes your area of collecting jars of harvested weed that you now store ideally where they'll last years. Yeah. You get the same thing. You'd be like, oh, come into my darkroom cellar where I still have some of that 2017 harvest. And you're talking in 2030. Yeah. You know? Seriously. And then people are like, oh my God, he's got weed from 13 years ago that's still in premium condition. 
that's my goal that's i had that in in kansas city when i was growing i i had multiple harvests saved up and it was always the last nug tasted the best Mm -hmm. because i could never get the cure right but every fucking time i'd smoke that last nug and just like by that point it was perfect yeah i'm like oh fuck uh i think that's probably a sign that like a real uh connoisseur cure takes a little longer than what we think then then five days that these companies are putting into it what do you think the Fuck average you. is for the weed that you're buying in jars now in dispensaries? How average long are they letting that cure? Six days. Six days. Average. It average. should be two weeks. Should be. Should at be least. a slow two-week dry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a month, I would have said. Two-week dry. Fuck. But then again, that being said, I had a buddy. Uh, I talked about my friend who grew in Colorado with his hangers of weed yeah. that he'd come into. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that part. But he... Uh, dude three days dried gorilla glue so this is in denver <clears throat> but the climate there is very dry right very the air dry. is dry they don't have a lot so of moisture we dried very fast which usually makes it harsh right um and and flavorless like mm-hmm. because the chlorophyll is still in there so the moisture is gone but the chlorophyll is still chilling dude gg4 taking bong rips of three day dry not even cured three days dried three days cut yeah. And it is flavorful and terpy and solid as fuck. I think... <coughs> shit. I think that just is a testament to Gorilla Glue's terpiness. You can smoke it straight off of the plant just about. It's a great strain, man. It's another one that, like, I was talking to you earlier about how I came across... Uh, shout out Buds and Roses for having uh, clones of AJ Sour Diesel available. Um... Oh, is this actually in what's in the jar? Mm-hmm. Got some cream of the crop duct tape in my hand here. Uh, I'm guessing it's their one of their takes on a Gorilla Glue because that's like... They usually put the genetics on the side. Hmm. They're really good about that. I appreciate it. They'll say from clone, grown from the clone zone, or, uh, or popped from seed. Maybe they don't put it on the small jars. This uh. one just says the Canosaurus flower. Oh, that's cute. Canisur. They used a they used a pun. It's not very gluey straight out the the first smell isn't glue. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's more of a sweetness. Duct tape. <coughs> I mean my favorite elements of the gorilla glue are the lemoniness. Like I love how the lemon and yeah, then the a hobby. lot of people say that. To me it's whatever the the more like understated terpenes are in it that that are what I like. The funky, the ones that the really ones. feel like you're smelling glue. Ah, yeah. See that shit. Yeah, the heavy terpinoline, like or terpene, like true definition of terpene shit. Yeah. yeah do you like, get Do you get more lemon out of that one? Yeah, lemon, lemon pine. Yeah. Uh, this smells like a good OG to me. I get a good like maybe cookie but certainly og they've got a few ogs cream of the crop they've got a prana they've got a yeah that's like a good like a blue i I feel it like blue it's a good little somebody dropped a billy kimber on me the other day oh yeah just some random ass dude like oh man no you got that good og like some like billy kimber i was like oh shit dude like you fucking you know like yeah. not many people know about billy kimber well garrison lane are kind of uh i don't know there seems to be some sort of hiatus in whatever they're doing they're available in certain places so that's another thing i was gonna say i was just saying shout out to buds and roses for mm. having interesting clones and uh potentially the 2g1b garden may see a sour diesel clone or two soon i mean if it. it is the true aj sour diesel then we may have fucking solved one of the most uh, pertinent head stash D. the one of those pertinent head stash problems you know, on the west coast um and i would say gorilla glue is not actually far behind in in being as uh elusive mm-hmm. uh in its true form so shout out to them uh we're gonna go investigate that at some point we'll report back dude so on. spot on duct tape is gg4 and dosey does oh okay so it's literally dosido with a cookie crossed with og i was yeah. like it's definitely an og know. i don't know if i'm like blown away by dosido i fucking love it yeah here smell the i got some fake but dick 
I'm not sure. This is literally my favorite. Literally on deck. It was like right there. Dude. Smells like the uh, THC design, too. The really heavy linalool lavender smell. Mm. I I love it so much. Yeah, it smells like a candle I would put in my bathroom. Yeah, it like, and those buds, too, honestly. I don't. A1 nugs. Yeah, I don't even smoke indicas hardly at all. But I, every day I'm looking forward to smoking this shit. I thought the wedding cake was good, but this batch of dosy dos. Wedding cake's too sweet for me. It, to, to, I don't like genuine real wedding cake, yeah. so when it reminds me of that, I'm just like, nah, I'm not with this. I got that strawberry banana too. That. But all these fruity up. flavors. Oh um, my gosh. Bring me to what I was gonna say about cookies. I went to uh, cookies, and that's one of the places that still still Mellows? have no uh, in Maywood. And still does have Billy Kimber. So if anybody is listening in Maywood and you've been looking for that Billy Kimber, hit up the Cookies Maywood store. They still have it. And if you go on a Wednesday between 3 and 6, it's 20% off. Everything. What? So those Wonder Bread 8s, those Lumpies 8s, those Billy Kimber 8s. These are all compliant? Yep. Um, they are all available for 20% off the full taxed amount, which I think means that... Yeah, what is their retail like, for, like, a Wonder Bread? Probably, like, 55. It's about the same, too. Yeah. But if you pay 55 and then pay sales tax on that... Yeah, the 20% off knocks the sales tax pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if you just pay the 9.5, you know, not pay the extra 20 on top. Mm-hmm. Every little deal. bit helps now at this point. Yeah, I don't know about strawberry banana strains either. Not not a big fruit strains. I I like the more sour and citrus and tropical strains. Those are the things that jump out at me more. This whole banana, this recent banana thing has gotten... There's been an upsurge it's crazy. in banana it's, strains for and sure. And I think more of it comes from that, that... The cookies showed the market that people wanted vanilla. That vanilla flavor instead of just mint pine skunk lemon Hmm. blueberry it was like no we'll take we'll take some of that nanner some of that vanilla some of that vanilla as well yeah it's like the the wheat beer the flavor of a wheat beer almost yeah yeah which always does kind of remind me of a banana too Mm -hmm. so good dude yeah my favorite types of like belgian ales and shit taste straight like banana bread yeah 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 like a hoe garden exactly hoe ooh uh, what is that other one? It's like a brown case. Fuck. Erdinger? No, it's a little fancier than that. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on it. But it's a, a white beer, a white half. Brown. A brown half. It's a brown, uh, like single Belgian ale, I think. Oh shit, du- Duvel? It's it's not like the really Duvel. really strong one. Duvel's no. like nine percent. I think it begins Leffe. Leffe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, good too. Oh, that's my banana bread. Yeah, it's heavy. I can have one, and then I don't want to eat dinner. Seriously. That's, that's, it's a meal right there. Dude, Aventinus. Have you been to Verstkuka? Ver- no, I haven't, but I, I know of it. Yeah. They have the best. I want, I want like a wheat place stuff, like this. Like pickled stuff, sausages, and fries. They have every, yeah, yeah, custom sausages. Like, there's a rabbit and a rattlesnake sausage. What? Real yeah. rattlesnake? Yeah, dude. There's like a, okay. I had a curry lamb sausage last time yeah but the fascinating thing and this is what i want the i want to take this into the weed discussion because as a beer enthusiast i i can't even drink anymore because i like smoking so much more i barely i drink like once every three weeks it seems but this place is a heaven for somebody that appreciates beer yeah and they have every type of beer that they have on tap they have like 40 of the glasses made for that beer and when you're talking with you know, Belgian ales, special ales, single, double, quadruple, triple, all those different ales require different types of glass to like maintain the head or the nose. And like, this is the only place on earth that I've been to that like, it's not just the right shape glass. It literally has the brand. If I'm ordering an Aventinus, I get a giant ass cup that I've never fucking seen before. How many beers do they have on tap? <sighs> like 20. And they're all phenomenal, like Belgian type ales. Like most of them are Belgian, and I'm Trappist ales. I'm so into them. Okay. And one last thing to mention about Trappist ales 
to tie it into that outdoor thing um trappist ales are the open air fermented beer you literally it is the the wild yeast in the air of belgium that ferments this beer it like inoculates trappist like a region it's uh it's a style like a monk it's like monks trappist monks uh brewed this type of beer so it's like trappist beer literally brewed by monks they used to think it was god that was making this shit because they'd put water hops barley into i almost said yeast but they didn't know what the fuck yeast was right just water just hops and barley put it into a container and left it and then god turned it into alcohol for them to get drunk on aka bacteria aka yeast floating yeah. in the air and so like there's this still humongous market humongous market because you can only get trappist ales they're like eight places hmm. where this open air fermentation is specifically like the belgian yeast in the air and the belgian river whatever the fuck is happening it, there's still a huge market for it because and everybody knows every single year is going to be different like it's probably the same yeast and bacteria but like it slowly changes with time and it's like truly just a natural you just let it happen there's no so you that's can't control so that's much like the equivalent of the consumer who would want to buy the small batch outdoor mm-hmm. that will change season upon season yeah it's yeah. and granted the trappist probably tastes exactly the same but the fact that it's just left up to nature and they've worked the monks worked with nature to the point where they could refine something and have it replicable i think that year on a, year yeah. a good outdoor strain might be more prone to full terpene expression regardless of cloudy days you know like you could breed mm, interesting you could breed that into an outdoor plant just kind of work with nature and eventually you know you incorporate the mistakes into your ritual and yeah, they stop happening didn't we see a report where there was uh you had to have supplemental led lighting to increase terpene production in some indoor grows yeah and then the fact that ev- you sent me um that every you could grow the same genetically identical strain by six different growers and it would have completely different results yeah that was trippy that's i mean it makes sense but like yeah, it does because plants are just that highly variable i hope maybe we can one day soon figure out what stages certain terpenes are produced you know maybe limonene is produced earlier or later uh, myrcene is produced really early it's in a lot of the vegetative growth but like okay you know maybe uh, we can like track like don't like if it fucks up here you're gonna lose a lot of limonene so you could do it on purpose or really pump it up there too and like really as we sort of pinpoint each strain's terpene development but then we'll also need to know what it is that's causing that terpene development to Mm -hmm. be able to pump it up Mm -hmm. i would set up a control with with like micro propagation happening like fuck have like a thousand of these plants and just harvest them like months before flowering you know you just harvest and just and analyze so every day just harvesting same light same water same medium same everything and just have a thousand plants for uh i guess you'd only need 300 plants harvest it every day mm-hmm. if for 300 days or some shit like mm-hmm. just all the way up until flowering so you've got a snapshot of literally day on day, on day. Mm-hmm. and that's a yeah. feasible experiment like that's totally doable yeah very feasible and but but the question is which strain uh, I don't know. What's a legendary outdoor strain that you see a lot of? I was just going to say OG Kush. I think that would be a great start. But Yeah. Yeah, if it was if it was truly <laughs> so suited to like oh. high altitude coastal grows, then yeah. I thought you were going to say if it was truly the real OG Kush. I'm like, fucking right? <laughs> God damn it. It's fake everywhere. Um, but yeah, you would grow it. But I'm, I'm saying in it lab i'm talking in a fucking test tube these are grown like straight up in a in a petri dish like you it's it's possible i used to work at the lab that would do that shit like petri dishes of plants in completely sterile environments grown by uh like t5 bulbs yeah but then how accurate of a representation is that of what you would get if you did that outdoors? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So the thing is that indoor growing is much easier to advance because you can uh, do all of these kinds of investigations that 
directly relate to how a plant's going to perform in an indoor grow because it's mm-hmm. going to be a similar setting. Or out, you could f- figure out like you could figure out how to replicate outdoor clothing. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or the problem with outdoor. Say we're continually running into powder mildew, we will introduce powder mildew every step along the way mm-hmm. and find out which strain or whatever. So yeah, we experiment inside to find the strain that so works you're like best reverse engineering outside. the because yeah am- the the like. Uh, the defense mechanism nobody's doing legitimate scientific research in terms of like uh inserting or not inserting but like testing certain traits they're not doing that outside they're doing it in a lab they're growing tomatoes in a lab to figure this shit out so we'll have the scientific end of weed yeah you might you might smoke it but we're shooting for outdoor like and some of that lab grown shit though come on like the tissue culture stuff i want to be proven wrong yeah yeah i want to be proven wrong though i want that out i want to you want the outdoor to to show and prove yeah i want i want to be proven wrong that like there's still a part of me that's always just like oh but that indoor i want to be proven wrong by some outdoor to where it is just like like this cannabiotics pen i hit the other day just hands down immediately the best fate pen i ever hit i want it to be that undecided head and shoulders above everything else dude immediately just like the fuck because like some of the live resin carts you know it takes forever to heat up this shit was just like you know he took a hit passed it to me i hit it and was just blown away like full experience flavor the high was solid as fuck the oil looked clean didn't sneeze like fucking i sneezed after that that vape pen earlier like yeah even my favorite companies like fucking like i sneeze after chemistry you know what i mean yeah, this, there's yeah. like a small handful of unrefined oil companies that like I can just like like slurp all around my nose and mouth and no sneeze whatsoever. Damn. But uh, I want outdoor to be like just give me a nugget of well, cheese and then I'm the, just like that's the best weed I've ever smoked. The narrative life. needs to be pushed more in the direction of treating it like wine and coffee rather than tobacco and alcohol or like general spirits. Because the way that those products are consumed is totally different. Like when I was, I, so I, I got a coffee before coming here, mm-hmm. and I genuinely had a stupid, uneducated coffee question for the barista, which is like my normal order is a cortado, which is like an espresso with milk. That's and then, my shit too. Yeah, you know the foamed milk shit. And I was oh, like, yeah. but it's hot, so I want like a cold version of that. What do I do? And he was like, he he explained, you know, what would go best and whatever. And so I did that, and I was like, that's the kind of questions that I would expect somebody who knows what they like, generally, to come in and ask to get a more specific guide on what they should buy, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the kind of thing that you do with coffee, that's the kind of thing that I expect people to do with cannabis, and it's the same, I think, when you go to a wine shop, you know, and you yeah. you tell your uh, sommelier, I like full-bodied wines um, that pair nicely with this. Um, I generally like A, B, and C. And you give them like a couple of examples that they can go off. That's what I... Dude. And if people came into weed shops and started doing that, then, you know, the the narrative would become much more like one, those conversations that you would have in a barista single bean coffee roasters or a, or a nice wine shop we should have a corner in one of these consumption lounges where people just come up and tell us what they want and we're like alright um, you want to feel super sedated I feel like OGKB bucks everybody up that's like some heavy body high nom nom cookies cement shoes like heavy heavy nom nom sedative. cookies from cream of the crop too uh-huh. yeah. yeah nom nom cookies from cream of the crop cement shoes from fade co both of them full body highs i can like a hundred percent vouch for like, okay i might it, have to verify that later it, dude i'll leave you i'll give you some i think uh, i have some nom nom cookies i'll give you some of these cement shoes too oh shit this stuff makes Being me like time travel sleeping with the fish <laughs> exactly i gave some to my my boy who broke his foot and he's like you think it's funny to give me cement shoes, shoes and not stuck in a foot. boot yeah <laughs> I got a moon boot on, and now you're giving me cement shoes. Exactly. He's like, you think that shit's funny? But he's also like, that's the best thing. That's exactly what I need right now, some full-body indica. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, outdoor weed, I I want to throw something. 
Gorilla Grow. I always have been dreaming of Gorilla Grow. I, I grew in my backyard outside, uh, but that was before I moved inside and really learned what I was doing. How much care can you give a true Gorilla Grow, though? Because it's kind of like a set it and forget it situation. Exactly, exactly. You know? um, dude, I heard about in Kentucky and shit, mm-hmm. people will straight up grow in the trees. They'll get a 40-foot rope. Throw it, and I heard this from Make a, guy. a little clearing. Dude, like even crazier. They throw the rope over the tree, get a bucket full of soil, get it all wet, and just put a seed or like a little baby sapling in the top of a bucket and just lift it up into the trees. Oh, like airborne. Yeah, oh, shit. Like fucking a bucket up in the tree. That's next level. And they just come back four months later, and it's a f- giant weed plant. They do it with like, you know, 40, 50 of those things over a couple hmm. weeks and come back and collect their harvest of tree-grown weed. Interesting. I wonder if that helps with, like, some of the challenges of outdoor because it's suspended in the air, so there's less shit that can get to it. And maybe because it's higher up, you're getting a better sun exposure and more airflow through the plant, so there's less likelihood of damp and shit like that collecting. That's so funny. Holy shit. More investigations into airborne outdoor growth, please. And seaweed, too, dude. Let's not seaweed. forget about my seaweed concept. Oh. Growing on a boat. Yeah. Like outdoor weed just on a boat. There's right. no predators unless you're seagulls or munching weed your butts. Hounds, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's a but good then point. What, what's the, the amount of salt in the air? Oh. Is that going to probably cause an issue? Yeah. For a should. transpiring plant? It should. <laughs> it definitely should. You know. Is there salt in the air? I would imagine. Damn. Like, if you're out at sea, for real, for real, <laughs> like on a boat and you just look around and all you see is water, then yeah. There's going to be salt somewhere. There's going to be some salt in the air because the sun's hitting the water, the water's evaporating, and you got salt in that motherfucker. Fuck. Um, mm. Yeah, man, we've uh, had some interesting encounters with people. You saw Barbie... Uh, what's her name again? What's her full name? I Barbie... Summers, Barbie Summers I from think. the Mary Jane Institute, which yeah. is a collective here in SoCal. I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere. The in Mary California. Jane Institute is a or a cannabis collective. If it's a location, I'm gonna feel like an idiot because I literally just thought it was a fucking just a name for like some online. We're just asking Professor Google quickly. Uh, Google, will you look up the? Uh Oh, Mary Jane University. My bad. Oh, okay. So it's it's like a, a school, kind of like Oaksterdam and uh, Trico Institute. So. I don't know stuff. if it's a real cannabis place. with class. Mary Jane University. So yeah, it may it may be an online or a, like a you show up for six classes type thing program. Mm-hmm. Let's shop. Let's, Let's shop, shop Mary on Jane. Mary Jane. Jane it looks University. very geared towards females. Yeah, this is a conversation that I think we're going to touch on when we have uh, a couple of our upcoming guests on, where we're all for very female-forward cannabis movements and the fact that women are being represented in all their glorious colors and uh, shapes and sizes and preferences in cannabis. That's awesome. But what about those of us men who not only support that, but also don't want to be represented by the bro culture that these ladies feel so alienated by. How do we do that in a conscientious way without, uh, without seeming like we're trying to, you know... Co-opt a movement? Yeah, essentially. I think, I think just focusing on the plant. I think, fuck, I don't... I don't give a shit about yeah like ignoring ignoring the act of trying to create a culture and then letting a culture create itself exactly. out of the intention that we put in exactly like it's just all about the plant like and maybe my personal my personal style which isn't a bro culture just like right you know cert like sustainable shit like earth think it goes like the plant and then the humanity and then the earth like pretty vague mm-hmm. shit but like also <laughs> there's not many people that are like this shit is good for the planet. This shit is good for humanity. This shit is good for the earth. Like, right. So you assume because I'm so surrounded by these people, I assume that everybody's on that level, but really like just taking it there separates me from fucking 90% of the market. Yeah. 
which is already within a bubble. So yeah. Um, so yeah. That, I, yeah. But that's going to be a fun discussion. Mm-hmm. We're going to definitely open up on that and talk a lot about that. I think it's going to be interesting getting their perspective mm-hmm. on it and maybe also like their kind of, if they've had any thoughts or views on that. Um, because we we go to a few events, but I think they probably, especially one of them, goes to a lot more events than either of us. But I was at an event called Blunt Talks um, which was held at Exchange in downtown about a week ago. Um, and there was a lot of interesting industry people there. The Beer Brothers Farms were there, who obviously are uh, a, a couple of growers who also put out some of the most interesting and valid content. That. Should I get that up on, in NorCal? On Instagram. Beer Brothers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially their extreme cream. That's some shit they grow really well. That <laughs> I shit love looks, that name. looks awesome. Um, but they're one of the best news sources out there. Like, follow them on Instagram at Beer Brothers Farms, and uh, you'll get a lot of really interesting stuff. Everything from science stuff to policy stuff to advocacy, um, and it's just good to stay clued in. And they talked about their journey in all of this. The founder from Alien Labs was there, Ted. I forget his last Nugent. name. Ted Alien, let's say. <laughs> um, and my favorite, there was Mario Sherbinsky Guzman. Hell yeah, Mister! And Binsky. for a man who is not only about to launch a freaking like his own dispensary on Melrose or in Fairfax, like somewhere in the super hypey part the of hype town, zone. yeah, and from what he's been showing on Instagram is about to also drop us drop on us gelato flavored hemp pre-rolls uh, he's got the game sewn up ladies hemp, and gentlemen hemp pre-rolls folks that's like terpene infused with cannabis derived terpenes from his cannabis his cannabis from gelato from sunset sherbet from pink panties from acai berry from all these different from guava all of his mochi all of his creations uh, and then in a full CBD hemp flour pre-roll that you can buy in a pack of 20 just At like seven eleven cigarettes yeah yeah exactly i'm <clears throat> and he spoke for for a man who has both of these things happening in the very near future uh which are huge fucking business endeavors all he spoke about for his 10 15 minutes that he was on stage was his journey and the importance of compassion in cannabis uh and and the maintaining of the original culture that got cannabis to be in the public sphere as much as it is now Mm -hmm. uh the fact that he wants which is medicinal use which is medicinal use which is compassionate uh cannabis Mm -hmm. use uh which was founded on caregiving um which was founded on personal freedoms and the choice to ingest the medicine of that you feel is most suited to you. Because alcohol is a medicine. It's just that cannabis is a much smarter medicine, more in line with <sighs> what medicine... mostly a poison, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. It has medicinal yeah. properties, but it's truly a fucking poison. Yeah, mild poison. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, he all he did was talk about this and the importance of that and how he wants the culture to be maintained while all these corporate interests try to come in and take over all aspects of cannabis. Um and that he believes that he truly believes that cannabis and hemp can and will save the world uh which was just really dope for somebody who i already look up to a lot for what he's done and is doing and then he also talked about this whole foundation that he's going to join with uh working with vets because his brother was a vet and not only he experiences ptsd but sherbinsky himself uh says he's he's had some ptsd from things he's been through so they're going to be not only working to supply them, but I think also kind of more on the clinical side of things, really look closely at what is happening to these vets. What do they need? Mm -hmm. And can cannabis really give them what the VA doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, That's awesome. Do you need this, brother? Mad, Uh, Mad respect. Yeah. So we get to see really interesting people and, uh, inspirational people, who it's so easy to think like oh yeah but look at them with all of this and that money and whatnot and and you know from an extension from Sherbinsky you could talk about burner from cookies same thing but like everywhere he goes he's always talking about the culture he's always talking about the importance of the plant 
Dude, that these, motherfucker gave that like twenty thousand dollar necklace to the guy that came to like his first show. That came to his first show and had been coming to cookie shows. And stuff, yeah, you know. Which I suppose the argument, if you want to play devil's advocate, could also be made that it's, it's like his a best really, friend. really good publicity <laughs> stunt, or it might just be his best friend. You never know. But no, nah, he do- he doesn't come across as the kind of dude to do that. Uh, we've exactly. talked about his uh, Instagram, his IGTV thing, when the dude from Raw Paper tried to shut him down from having vibes. Remember, I told you, you were t- you were telling me that the dude from Raw is kind of dorky and whatnot, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. he knows what he's doing. He makes good papers. Uh-huh. But when Burner was trying to get in his percentage share of the papers thing with vibes, this dude, instead of helping him and lifting him up, was trying to shut him out. And he went on IGTV to basically say, like, why are you hating? Yeah, yeah. Um, He's scared. So Sherbinsky and Burner and a ton of other people who are out there, like at this other talk, at this same talk, there was uh, Nicole West, who used to run the Sweet Leaf dispensaries in Colorado. And she's been back and forth from California during 215 as the transition happened then in the Colorado system then back here in Prop 64 so a lot of people talking about their journeys and and not only entrepreneurship and cannabis but just really the the core of why they got into it and the so much of the common theme was caregiving and compassion man that it's like that's maybe that also ties back into what I was saying about how do we solve the like non-broy culture it's one of caregiving and compassion and the plant humanity yeah the plant humanity And I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast, but the thing that I like about Sherbinsky was that he didn't care about branding. None of this happened until somebody came to him. Well, he told it a little differently. Okay. Yeah. He said that he always liked these things, and anytime he would look at certain colorways, uh, orange was just something that stood out to him a lot when they started trying to figure out how to brand it. So he was like, that was our Tiffany blue. Mm -hmm. Those were his words. Um, you know Tiffany's the jewelry, the jewelry, the jeweler, mm-hmm. the jeweler. Yes, the ju- the famous jeweler. Um, wow. So he saw it as iconic already that colorway, and I know that he's he he mentioned being inspired by Louis Vuitton and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And when you see him post about stuff in his personal travels, you do see that he has like an eye for fashion and detail and design. So. It's clearly something that he had a... I think he had a sensibility before, but maybe he just didn't have the idea that he wanted to be out there branded as this person because, obviously, for so long, it was something you had to do in the shadows. He went... Well, yeah, we only... I I feel like he only started introducing himself by his real name after legalization. He was Sherbinsky. Yeah, and he's had a lot of coverage this year. You know, there's been a few really big newspapers that have covered him, and, and again, in those, he does the same thing talks mm. about caregiving talks about compassion talks about how important that journey was that's so that's so heartwarming it's just just goes and to it's so you. easy to just get up there and just plug your thing for 10 minutes it's so easy and so expected yeah and he didn't do any of those things dude do what you love and the money will follow yeah he's he's a living he's living proof of that shit for sure yeah yeah the distilled version i tell is like he was just focused on growing weed and then finally somebody was like dude you gotta put yourself out there like this is amazing i'll yeah. help you and he's like okay yeah yeah he told the story about him and jega and burner all kind of were like the uh figureheads of a movement and how burner ended up kind of becoming the front man and taking those genetics and putting them in a lot of influential people's hands a lot of a lot of rappers hands you know a lot of rappers coming across these the y and snowman and the early gelatos and all these kind of things, the Sunset Sherberts, um, meant that they then would rap about it, and now it's out there in the in the Cookies. zeitgeist, you know, boom. <laughs> and so he, he said, like, Burner was kind of like a front man for what we were doing, and I think him and Jigo started growing together because they were growing in the same district and ended up selling to the same collectives, and Burner ran some of those collectives. Mm-hmm. So that was how that, uh, that uh, power triangle came together, if you like. And shout-outs to the people who put that event together, the Blunt Talks event. That was one of my homies, one of the first people who uh, met with me when I came to L.A. to get in the cannabis industry. Sam, um, who also works for Alien Labs. Shout-out to Alien Labs um, and Connected. And uh, the Alice Moon, I think she goes by Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Uh, 
and she told me her personal story of like CHS and no longer Seriously. being able to use cannabis and stuff and uh, talked about how Papa Mark is one of her favorite brands because she can still use topicals I think she just can't ingest um, yeah that's crazy uh, that would be a nightmare to have her come to your cannabis event we should maybe talk to her about being on a podcast that would be, be yeah. good to really have somebody who's had like the depths of CHS come and talk about their experience and maybe it'll help open up whatever we think we already know about it exactly I'm curious like what her consumption rate was prior yeah and what the what it is that makes you more predisposed to getting CHS because obviously it's not everybody I heard it was just like massive amounts of cannabis like that was one of the biggest uh, like similarities between cases was like they were ingesting like large amounts of THC. Yeah, yeah. People for extended periods having of time. multiple grams of concentrates in a day type shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or inedibles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen. Any system you push it far enough, it's going to break, short can, circuit. Yeah, you can die on water. Yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if we've yet had like a truly certified death on weed, but if people keep doing shit like that, it won't be long before we do. I know, I know. And on that rosy note, <laughs> <laughs> give me my THC distillate tub, dude. Let's fucking let's dive into that. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> I just imagine the instant burning, the Seriously. moment your toes touch that, like your skin is just third degree burns mm. as you submerge slowly into this oil vat. That is. I, I think it's just like a goopy gel. But you basically be burned alive. And then, That's yeah. That's what would happen. Yeah. You'd be burned alive by the uh, by how acerbic the oil would be to your skin. Pure THC. Because, yeah, distillate's transdermal. Because distillate's very transdermal. Yeah. Do not get that on your skin. And you won't know about it either because it doesn't smell. <laughs> you just be like, oh, what's this sticky stuff? Well, I'll just I'm rub high. it in. I'll just rub it in. Um, oh my god, I'm higher than I've ever been. <laughs> Give me some of that. Yeah. And uh we love you. Yeah. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you. I keep listening. It's Two Guys One Blunt on SoundCloud at Two Guys One Blunt on Instagram. And we'll be getting it up on iTunes and Spotify very soon. So that if you use either of those platforms, which are probably more readily known mm-hmm. than SoundCloud. <laughs> As much as we love SoundCloud as uh, musicians. Yeah, exactly. Let's get this. Let's let's share the podcast on all formats. We don't know. We don't want to discriminate. Right. That's really what it comes down to. And we're not trying to miss out on anybody, anybody who wants to listen. Yeah. We need you. We love you. Well, until next, folk. <laughs> until next, folk. Wow. Till next time. Did you already folks? jump in that tub of this one? Shit, dude. Just dipped a toe, man. Just dipped a toe and already wavy. Dipped a toe, I'm sweating. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be back very soon. Two guys, one blunt. Peace out. Doctor. 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 Doctor.